Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. It's, uh, what is today? Thursday. My God, it's almost yeah. Friday. And we got a full house today. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, Common Sense Democrat, along with Governor David Patterson. And uh, we have only one common sense uh, Republican uh, here, Ed Cox. Little one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, can you hold up your, your end between I'll, these two guys? I'll do guys? my best, John. I'd say two common sense Democrats against a uh, common sense Republican like Ed Cox. That's a fair fight. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I'll take the compliment. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you, you were a ranger. You weren't a green boy. Uh, you were a ranger. Uh, airborne. Airborne. Airborne all wow. the way. Wow. Yeah. And... Uh, when I uh, met him a few years ago, uh, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, yeah. a long time ago, yeah. actually, uh, you were still running the triathlon. Yeah, that's true. Still doing it. Really? Whoa. Wow. But you no more riding bikes in the dark by Central no. Park anymore. <laughs> no, I still do that. Sorry about it. Don't learn your lesson. On my side here, Lydia Gotta keep Serrani, it Oh, boy. Uh, and this is a TriCast, AM 970, The Answer, WABC 770, and uh, WLIR out in Hampton Bays. And um, last night, Jerry Crowley had a great uh, uh, boat ride uh, with uh, celebrating uh, W970, uh, uh, AM, The Answer, and uh, WMCA, the old uh, WMCA, and um, uh, Joe Piscopal sang, and it was one great party. That's great. Schmooze cruise. It was no, it was a terrific party, John. Right, it was a great yeah. party. You yeah, got a beautiful a view of the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty couldn't be more magnificent. It oh was a boy. great party. She'd be crying right now. We got a great show for everyone tonight. We're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about drugs at the border. We're also going to talk about crime right here in New York City. And, of course, Senator Alphonse Tomato, you don't want to miss that. But first on the line, we have the Honorable Carl Rove. He's a Republican policy advisor. He's also the senior advisor and deputy chief of staff during the George W. Bush administration. Welcome to Cats at Night, uh, Honorable Carl Rove. My God, that, that that's quite a crew you got going. <laughs> Would you buy a used car from any of these guys? <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm sitting here in Texas, and I'm I'm feeling like I need to drop and do 20 push-ups with a guy who does triathlon. Uh, all right, drop for Gosh, 10 I at had least. no idea you were that much of an athlete, man. Yeah, he's in good shape. He's in great shape. Carl, I have to ask you a question. Are you going to Martha's Vineyard to, uh, to see what's going on? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm I'm on my way to Nantucket tomorrow for a conference where I'm going to debate Valerie Jarrett. But you know, I I am intrigued by how everybody's freaking out about uh, DeSantis sending Governor DeSantis sending uh, what was it about fifty? Fifty, that's correct. Yeah, think about this. Every day, uh, thus far this fiscal year through the end of July, one million nine hundred seventy-four thousand people have been apprehended on the southwest border to the United States. That means every day of roughly 6,300 people have been apprehended coming across the border. So uh, think about Texas and primarily Texas, but also New Mexico and Arizona having 6,300 people show up on their doorsteps of their borders every single day. And yet uh, the people on Martha's Vineyard are freaking out when they get 50. That's amazing. 6,300 a day. 262 on average every hour are coming across the border. And by the way, the other day, the vice president of the United States said the, the border's secure. There's no problem. And uh, a whole bunch of migrants wound up on her doorstep. Well, she finally, she's the border czar. So she, she finally saw migrants for the first time when right. they showed up at her front doorstep. That's right. Yeah. And they said, and they acknowledged that they were so, so-called illegal migrants. They said, yeah, there was no problem getting through the border. Yeah. Well, as they say... 
they think the border's open. And so, you know, everybody gets across, everybody gets released. We live in a global world. You don't think these people who come across the border uh, let their family back in wherever, Guatemala or Nigeria or, you know, you name it. They let them know that they've gotten across the border and how easy it was. Look, I'm a huge proponent of immigration. We are all a, we are a country of immigrants. But you got to do it legally. And right now, our border is being overwhelmed. And there's a reason why South Texas, heavily Hispanic, is turning Republican. Zavala County last voted right on the Rio Grande River, last voted for Republican president in 1920 when Warren G. Harding was on the ballot. They voted for Hillary Clinton by 20 points. They turned around and voted for Donald Trump by nearly 20 points in 2020. And the reason is because these are the communities that are feeling the, the impact. It's their social services that are getting overrun. It's their hospitals that are giving out uncompensated care. It's their neighborhoods that are suffering petty crime from people who are desperate for water and food and shelter. And it's their, you know, it's their communities where the quality of life is being degraded. And the only people who seem to be standing up for them are the Republicans. So they, will they be voting for us in the midterms, uh, Carl? Well, th- th- take a look at it. I mean, we now have – there are nine state house districts south of San Antonio, Texas, down in the Rio Grande Valley. In 2020, I think we had one Republican candidate for state house representatives. Now we have – not only do we have, uh, I think, all nine, but one of the Democrats switched parties. One of the longtime-serving Democrat house, state house members uh, switched parties because he said, that my party's left me when it comes to – and look, everybody on the border – in these heavily Hispanic communities, they've got somebody who's in the border patrol. They know a family member or a friend. Uh, they know somebody in their, you know, in their social circle or family who works for the sheriff's department or the police department or social services. And they know what this is costing their communities, not only financially but also in the quality of life. And they're fed up. They, when they hear Kamala Harris say the border is secure, they're they're wondering what universe. You know, the multiverse is here. She's living in a different one than the rest of us are. So so Biden feels that his ratings are going up, uh, that uh, the generic ballot lines are closing. And uh, what do you think is going to happen in midterms? Well, look, look, this this goes to show some of the media his his in in the real clear politics. As of this morning, it was forty two point four percent approval. That's where Donald Trump's were in October of 2018 when we suffered a loss of 42 seats in the in the midterm elections the president the the, the our current president has gone from like 39% approval to 42% and it only took him like you know 2 months but guess what that ain't good enough <laughs> if they think they can you know i saw where nancy pelosi said we might be able to hold the house well good luck since 1818 when we had the emergence of what's called the the second american party system where there actually were two political parties the the, the white house party has won the midterms picked up seats in the house of representatives in the midterms exactly twice 1934 and 2002 and guess what this guy ain't you know, George W. Bush in the aftermath of 9-11 or Franklin Roosevelt trying to overcome the Great Depression. He's Joe Biden struggling to put together two sentences and saying things like the other day, oh, 8.3 percent un- uh, uh, inflation rate year over year. I mean, he dismisses it as one-tenth of one percent. I mean, what, is, what world is he living in? And uh, Carl Rove, your recent article in The Wall Street Journal, Biden's make-believe victory over inflation. How ironic he's out there on the public stage lying about how great his economic policy is while the stock market's hanked 1,200, over 1,200 points. I mean, you, could, it couldn't, you couldn't have planned it better. 
Yeah, and, and, and on, the, on the day that the inflation report comes out, he has this big White House celebration of the so-called Re- Inflation Reduction Act and does not mention the inflation report that was released just before uh, he had this big celebration. My, my, my two favorite moments are James Taylor singing Fire and Rain. That's one of my favorite songs. But what the heck was that about? And then Nancy Pelosi stands up and says, well, we passed this landmark law, quote, it's driving down costs for kitchen table items for America's working families. Where was well, that? that? That's on the White House lawn. <laughs> She's stand, standing on the White House lawn. And, and, and the same, that's the same day that the Bureau of Labor Statistics says the price of meat, poultry, fish, and eggs is up in, was up in August 10.6% over a year before, dairy up 162 and fruit and vegetables up 9.4. So I'm not really certain what kitchen table items she's talking about. Maybe she went by the clearance table at one of those luxury <laughs> home goods stores in Napa Valley and mistakenly thought that's what ordinary Americans are purchasing. She went to the liquor store. So, so we got the Senate race a little bit different than House races. And uh, uh, apparently the Democrats, like some of our candidates, are spending $50 million on, uh, on a bunch of them. Yeah, no, no. The, the Democrats, I love this. But the Republicans are extremists and enemies of democracy, but they've spent this year between governor race in Illinois and House and Senate races around the country nearly $60 million in an attempt to nominate the most extreme Republican candidate so they think they have a better chance of beating them. Now, sometimes they, they succeeded. Sometimes they, they, they didn't. But I think it's interesting the the cynical nature of the Democrats this year saying, oh, these Republicans are extreme. But we, you know what? We're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to try and nominate them. Uh, give us a scoreboard who you think uh, 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 of the states that are critical, uh, who's winning and who's losing. How about how's Oz doing? Well, look, I, I, on the defense side, the Republicans have got to defend Pennsylvania, where Mike Toom, where uh, Pat Toomey is retiring. Uh, and Oz is, is, is in a horse race. We got Ohio, uh, Wisconsin with Ron Johnson, Ohio with J.D. Vance, North Carolina, Ted Budd running to, to fill an open Republican seat, and Florida with, with Marco Rubio. These are the tough races on the defense side. Why is Marco, good. Marco Rubio so tough? I mean, I thought, well, it, I, I thought that, uh, Texas was, uh, I mean, Florida. I thought uh, Florida was a Republican. Well, it's turning more Republican, but it's a, it's the quintessential battleground state. And the best way to get beat in Florida is to take it for granted. Now, the good news is Marco is not t- taking it for granted. And look, the Democrats put up a good candidate. On, the, on, on paper, she looks good. Val Demings, former uh, police chief of Orange County, the Orlando, Florida, uh, a self-proclaimed moderate Democrat. She's not got a moderate voting record. But and she's she's a she's a strong candidate and raising a bunch of money because of her profile and the Democrat advantages in fundraising. But I think Rubio beats her and beats her soundly because a the state's becoming more Republican and b Rubio fits the state and c he's running hard and that's the best way to win is to run hard. And how about the governor's race playing into that too? Well, and I think that's right. I mean, don't, I mean Charlie, Chris. I mean, really. I mean, please. Did you see his comment the other day? Here's a guy who says, "I'm running as the unity candidate," and the Republicans. He said, "Do you hear how some people call DeSantis Satan? De Satan?" And everybody laughs in the room. And he says, and he points to his name on a sign and says, "It's De Satan versus." And points to his name, and somebody yells out, Christ. He says, you got it. I mean, this is the guy who's trying to unite the state of Florida and starts off by saying anybody who's supporting 
uh, Ron DeSantis, I don't want your vote. So right from the beginning, he's losing in the polls. So I said, uh, okay, to a majority of the people of Florida, don't even bother considering voting for me, but I'm the unity candidate. I mean, come on. We have a governor here in New York told everybody to go to Florida. Well, DeSantis means saint. It means saint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, A lot of people are leaving places like that and coming to places like Texas and Florida. Uh, And uh, Carl Rove, back to the migration situation, the Democrat-led city of El Paso, Texas, it's been sending its own buses of migrants to New York City. It just proved another $2 million contract for another 16 months to bus even more migrants out of town. They're also requesting federal reimbursement. Do you think this is a good move? I mean, this is a Democrat city. This is El Paso's run by Democrats, and they're sick and tired of the, the migrants, and they just can't handle it anymore. No, no, look, this is a huge burden. It's a heavily Hispanic town. You know who else is from El Paso? Robert Francis O'Rourke, who said, who said hell yes, we're tearing down that wall. And, and, and it, this goes to show that that ain't a popular position in his hometown. But look, pe- people have, uh, cr- across the country have got to realize this is a huge burden that is falling on a, a, a part of the country because the federal government is refusing to stand up and meet its responsibilities. When, when, tell me where in law. It says that the city of El Paso or the state of Texas is responsible for policing the border. That's the responsibility of the federal government. Yet, look, we've got the National Guard along the border. One of my best friends, his son is in the National Guard. He is down there through October, and we, the taxpayers of Texas, are paying for this. Why are we doing it? Because the Border Patrol says they don't have enough resources and they're being overwhelmed. Let me tell you this. This will blow your mind. My young friend is on night patrol. That's a, he's, the, he's the night guys. And at, at, at like 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, out of the brush on the south side of the Rio Grande River will come two or 300 desperate people who are being herded and pushed across the river by the coyotes who've robbed them of virtually every penny they've got, push them into the United States, hundreds of them at a time in the middle of the night, knowing that we're going to have to scramble the Border Patrol and the National Guard and Texas Department of Public Safety in order to get a hold of these people and process them. In the meantime, three or four or five miles up or down the river, two guys with, dressed in black with backpacks filled with thousands upon thousands of fentanyl pills make their way quietly across the border, knowing that they're not going to be that the pressure is going to be off of them because everybody's scrambling to take care of that crowd. And guess what? They do when they get those guys across the border successfully. They taunt the Americans by shooting off automatic weapons on the south side of the river with tracer bullets to sort of say, "We got past you, boys." I mean, this is what we're facing as a country. And instead of facing it as a country, we're forcing the responsibility onto our states and our communities and our counties. And that's wrong. Wow. It's an invasion. And the president president of the United States is not fulfilling his obligation to protect and defend this country. He's encouraging it. Well, thank you, Carl. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We're the number one show in the Northeast and... uh, well, well, aren't 22 of, your, your, voice. 22 of your 24 hours of your shows, John, 22 of your 24? Well, our latest Nielsen report, 22 out of our 24 hours, Monday through Friday, is number one in uh, New York. But thank you, Carl Rove, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. And we're gonna, let's take the break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with Paul Luntzes to find out the economy. It doesn't know what it want, where it wants to go. Maybe Paul will tell it. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night Show. We're a spirited group today, aren't we? Right? You bet. We are on fire. John, you haven't gotten started yet. Oh, okay. Well, now we're going to be talking about the economy. It, I, I hope it's going to get any some somewhat better, right? On the line with us right now, we have Paul Lunsis. He's an investment banker. He's one smart guy. Is John Katz. What else? He's an investment money manager. He's a, a, a money manager. 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 Brilliant guy. Uh, Tell us what you are, Paul. <laughs> um, Lounces Asset Management LLC. We're a registered and an SEC registered investment advisor, and we manage, we customize you make, you individual make money for people. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So, how are you making any money for people this month? It's a very <laughs> challenging market. We haven't bought a we haven't bought a brand new stock for a long, long time because we haven't felt comfortable. Um, with what's going on out there. The economy's really in limbo. Rates keep going up. Um, inflation is really taking hold. And I think what happened, you know, going back to Jackson Hole, he changed the narrative. Powell changed the narrative. Um, and people didn't think, they thought they were going to pivot. And he basically used Paul Volcker's name. And, you know, people started realizing, you know what, maybe they're going to keep raising rates. And that was one issue. And then the second issue it is... It looks the like they're going to keep raising rates... And the other thing is they keep pushing electric cars. I'm considering, I'm considering shorting General Motors. <laughs> I mean, originally, General Motors went bankrupt once already. Mm-hmm. They used to make, you know why they went bankrupt, That I'm talking to Ed Cox here. I mean, they, they were making cars 10% smaller every year. Every year, 10% smaller, 10% smaller. And every year, they'd raise the price 10%, 10%. Kind of like Milky Way. John, John, that's what they did to Milky Way. I was about to ask Paul how you make money. You just said it. Short General Motors. Short General Motors. Now, if they think it's the right thing to do to build electric cars 100% by 2030, 2035, they're full of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Lutz, you you tell us your own. uh, Don't listen to me. I'm I'm a little bit emotional today. What do you know, right, John? Boy, are are you guys all fired up. Oh, my goodness. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think, John, and we've talked about this in the past, there needs to be a more balanced, patient approach. We need nuclear. They should be focusing on some of those new reactors. Um, they're 20% of our energy, but a lot of them are really old. They need, we need gas, natural gas. We need oil. We need renewables. We can keep trying to increase renewables, solar and wind, et cetera. But, you know, those alone, you can't just exclude things. We need everything. That's number one. And the second point is I think when the inflation, when the CPI numbers came out, even though they were 8.3 and people projected 8.1, and that's down from the 9.1 in June and the 8.5 in, in uh, July, the problem was gas accounted for a meaningful decline. The problem is, as John has said, many of the other areas, rent, food, et cetera, all went up. And that's why I think a few days back the market really, really got nailed because people are really getting concerned about inflation. So the Fed's got a conundrum. Yeah, you also help, by the way, just remember, one of the promises of Obamacare is in bringing insurance, medical insurance rates down. They're up, too, considerably. Yep, health care is up. Um, you know, it's so they're really facing a, a conundrum. And I think I read that Larry Summers, uh, the very talented economist, basically said he thinks unemployment's got to go to 6% to reduce inflation. And we're at 3637 so, well, you know, they, 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 they would want to reduce inflation by destroying the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. That's yep. my opinion. Well, so, what about housing? 
What so, about housing? What's going to happen with housing with these increased rates? Well, housing's really, really getting getting killed. Something like there's 52 million mortgages out there, and something like 47 of them, 47 million of them have uh, rates under 5%. So the refinancing market is basically done. J.P. Morgan, Wells, and many others are laying lots of people off. Housing prices are starting to come down. But the issue with housing, they aren't coming down depending on the area as much as you would think because there's no supply. Even now, there's more inventory out there than there was you know, two or three or four months ago. But we underbuilt by almost 6 million homes. Um, you know, after 08, 09. So, you know, housing, but housing will continue to get hurt. And if rates keep going up, prices are going to start really coming down. And then the commercial market's really going to be in trouble with all the remote working and so forth. So it's a very challenging time. So I mean, it's almost like they're leading to recession. So what's happening on Wall Street? Uh, Goldman Sachs laying off people. You just mentioned some others that are doing that also. What's going on? Yeah, well, the, the, there's no – I'm overstating it, but there's very few IPOs. There's very few public debt and equity offerings. So the investment banking business for Goldman and even the big guys, you know, the banks as well, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Smith, the investment banking business is really, really, really getting it. So they're laying people off. Right. And the New York Times and also Goldman Sachs said, if, you know, it's time to come back to work and people are refusing. I mean, this is crazy. What do you think, John? Well, I think if they they don't come back to work, don't pay them. That's it. Don't pay them. I mean, you know, it's bizarre. And, and I also think I also think, you know, when you're in a business with people, not being there, you really miss out on on a lot of things. You know, walking into someone else's office and talking about an idea. Um, you know, the formal stuff. You can have a meeting. You know, on Zoom. That's fine. But. The informal stuff and the camaraderie and all the rest, I think you're really missing out. And our youngest son is at, a, is at an investment bank. And, you know, at the end of the day, working remotely, he's not building relationships. He's not mm-hmm. learning from all these talented men and women around him. I think there's a, it's a big overall negative. So where we got started, how do you make money in this market? You're just patient. Um, you're patient. You're disciplined. It's nice now, finally, that in cash for clients, at least on the cash side, you can earn a little bit, one and a half, two, two and a half percent. And we've been buying, we've been buying particular fixed income securities that are becoming ever more attractive. They're investment grade, and we've been getting yields of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven percent. Um, and so that's what we've been doing. We haven't been buying equities. We've been buying a particular type of fixed income security that's safe, high quality, um, and really, you know, that's really where we're spending our time and investing our client money. Well, I guess earning, uh, earning, what did you say, four, five, six, seven percent, earning four, five, six, seven percent without a risk of going down other than inflation is not bad. It's not bad. And these securities, the securities will fluctuate. Rates go up, the securities go down, but we can go down a little bit, but we don't sell them. All we care about is the safety and the income. And the income's qualified as tax to cap gains rates, not ordinary income. Paul Lunches, thank you so much. And now we're going to have, I understand, Lou Dobbs is going to be coming on with his report. And uh, Paul Lunches, thank you, and God bless you, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Let's, Let's go to the Lou Dobbs report. This is... 
is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. we got a full house tonight. we got Governor Patterson, Ed Cox, Judge Weinberg, John Katzmatidis, and myself. Now on the line, we have retired DEA special agent in charge, Derek Maltz, former associate special agent in charge of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Uh Agent Moss, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. There's a severe crisis going on in this country. How are we going to protect Martha's Vineyard? What do you have to say about well, that? Well, they're running out of pink pants, right, now to give to all the migrants. Well, hey, listen, thank you for having me back. And I think that's a really interesting decision made to send some of those migrants up there. I mean, they're asking for the open borders. They have sanctuary cities. So good luck with the migrants. Good luck with the migrants. Tell us what else is coming across the border. We just had on Carl Rove uh, moments ago, and he was talking about this tactic that a lot of the coyotes use to get their drugs across the border. Uh, just how bad is it getting? We keep hearing about fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. Well, look, I'm going to a rally on Saturday with families from around the country in Washington, D.C. We're going to go down to the White House. There's a lot of angry families around America because there's just nobody speaking about it from the White House. I mean, the vice president's telling the country that the border is under control. The, the Homeland Security director is telling everyone that he's got operational control of the border. The attorney general is going after parents that care about their kids' education as domestic terrorists. Meanwhile, the real terrorists in Mexico are actually poisoning this country like we've never seen in the history of this country. Just look at the seizures of the fake pills. Just in August, right? A million pills the first week of August in the Dallas, Arizona. Another million pills, 1.6 million seized in a tractor trailer in the Dallas as well. And then look in New Mexico. Just happened first week in September. Over a million pills, $4 million in cash, and 142 pounds of methamphetamine. The country's being flooded with poison. The cartels are working with China, and the White House is asleep. They're asleep at the wheel. And here in New York City, to combat the crisis, as certain clubs and restaurants are giving out fentanyl testing kits because a lot of people don't realize that they're taking a hit of ecstasy or whatever, and it ends up being fentanyl and they die. I mean, obviously, the simple solution would be don't do drugs. But, I mean, that's really scary these days that, you know, even kids that might experiment, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old could end up dying just on one hit. Well, right now, one of the, the, the largest increases we're seeing is the teenagers. Just in Hollywood, I was in Hollywood this week, just yesterday, two days ago, kids dying in the bathroom in a high school, Bernstein High School in Hollywood, because they took what they thought was Percocet, and it were like four overdoses, one death. And the girl was 15 years old. Oh, my and we God. We see it all over the time. We were in Ohio State in May. They had two kids, pre-med student, one of them going to graduate, doing the finals, takes what they think is Adderall, dead. Remember, the DEA administrator put out a warning to America that 40% of the pills that they're analyzing have a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. That means if you seize a million pills, that could potentially kill 400,000 Americans. And you know what? You're right. It's not just the pills. Guys are going out on a weekend snorting lines of cocaine because they think it's cool. It's a recreational thing. Normally, you're not going to die from snorting a line of cocaine, but they're dying left and right. Professional athletes, they're dying. They go out to snort some coke. Celebrities, role models. The problem is there's nobody talking about this. There's no education to the middle schools, to the high schools and colleges. 
And it's really sad because it's chemical weapons are being produced in Mexico, right across our border. They're using uh, their nexus, their networks on the border, bring the dope into America. But it's not even dope. It's poison now. It's changed. It's not what it used to be. And nobody can adapt quick enough. And the White House is just not uh, embracing what's going on because of the politics. So, Mr. Moss, tell us about the uh, New York Drug Enforcement Task Force. You were a special agent in charge of it a while ago. It's been around for a long while. It really is a task force. Tell us about it and how's it doing? All right, real quick. My father was in charge there for 11 years. It started in 1970, the oldest and largest drug task force in America, NYPD, DEA, and New York State Police. I was in charge for about two years. Greatest experience I ever had in drug law enforcement because I learned so much from all those warriors in the front lines in New York City. Right now, they're doing great. I mean, look, DEA last year alone, geez, one ton of fentanyl. It only takes two milligrams of fentanyl to kill a, a person, and they seized a ton just in New York alone. I have a lot of friends in New York in the task force, the strike force, and also the DEA division working with Homeland Security Investigations and the other agencies. They're doing some pretty good work. But the problem is just look what happened Bridget Brennan is a great prosecutor in New York. I, I've known her forever. She's really good. She's great with the media. And guess what happens? They lock up two Mexican cartel guys with 165 pounds of meth. They have to release them because of the antiquated old drug laws in America. They couldn't even, in New York, they couldn't even keep these cartel operatives in jail. That's the so so-called bail reform law. Yeah. We have so many uh, you know, antiquated policies. We can't even stay up with the bad guys now because their communications are all encrypted. And you know what? Everyone needs to hear that the Chinese are providing all the money laundering services for the Mexican cartels. That's why if you read recently to some of the breaking stories, China's purchased over $6 billion in property and real estate in America. And the majority of those purchases are by cash. You know why? Because yeah. the Chinese students that are here in visas are picking up multi-millions of dollars from the Mexican cartels in our country. Wow. And they're also supplying the chemicals for the fentanyl. The is chemicals. This, is this a declaration of war by China at this point? Well, look, I will tell you that based on my years of experience, my DNA from my father and everyone I've talked to and the experts on the Communist China, uh, Chinese Party, I personally believe it's part of their unrestricted warfare. They're sending poisonous chemicals to our country. They're using now the cartels as the proxy to do the dirty work, just like Iran uses Hezbollah to do their dirty work. It's the same concept. The cartels are making a fortune. They're actually making billions of dollars selling all these substances. They, not, they don't need the plant-based substances anymore. They have synthetic you know, substances that are cheaper, more addictive. And now that you know, they're selling the uh, rainbow-colored drugs, so they look like sweet tarts and Skittles because they're going after the kids. It's a, a strategic, deceptive marketing campaign to drive profits, drive addiction, insanity. John Katzmatidis, you have an excellent point that you, it really, I feel like, drives home just how horrific this fentanyl crisis is. Well, I, you know, I understand we lost uh, uh, 50,000 uh, kids in Vietnam, 50,000 kids in Korea, 7,000 in Afghanistan. That's 107,000 during those wars. In the last... 12 months, I understand we lost 140,000 Americans in America yeah, well, for 12 months. Op- for opioid overdose. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the horrific day on 9-11, the 3,000 that died at, you know, at the Trade Center, 
you know, and then the wars that we went to. And then you just look at what's happening every year. We're losing like 300 a day, depending on what statistics. That's another thing I want to bring up to the show. You know, the CDC is so dysfunctional. Even the new leader came out and fell on the sword a little bit and said they weren't doing the right thing with some of their, their, program, their programs. Well, the Families Against Fentanyl, they wrote letters to the director of CDC. They can't get accurate stats and up-to-date stats on fentanyl poisonings. They're, they're giving them old information. And, oh, another thing important, important statistic just came out. In San Diego, in the last five years, they've seen a 2,375% increase in fentanyl-related deaths. Wow. Think about that for a second. Well, on, on the phone with us, uh, Derek, uh, on the phone with us is also former Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Uh, Senator, have you been listening to uh, all the statistics uh, uh, that uh, retired DEA agent has been telling us? Well, let me tell you, he's 110% right. Uh, you have over 100,000 deaths because of fentanyl last year. 140,000. Well, I said over 100,000. But uh, uh, that's that's 100,000 plus too much, too many. And, and it's absolutely criminal that we are uh, um, being attacked uh, by China and by the drug gangs in Mexico and, and our open borders. And that's what the heck we have uh, are contributing to this, uh, because when you stop people at the most, don't even know who they are, where they are, etc., and you release them. That's as good as uh, as nothing. That's nothing. And and uh, this this is, I think, one of the saddest tragedies that the national media has totally hidden the incredible toll on our people. Not only the killing of these young, innocent people, so many of them youngsters involved in this fentanyl. That's number one. But number two, the incredible cost uh, that communities are bearing, working middle-class families. You know, to educate a kid in Nassau County, the taxpayer is paying more than $21,000 a year in taxes per child. Now, for God's sakes, Where's that in 21,000? Long Island. Long Island? Well, Board of Education in New York is like 27,000. Well, look, um, if if you had only 10 or 11,000 immigrants who came into New York City and it's giving them trouble, imagine in these other communities. And let me tell you, I don't blame the governors of, of Texas or Arizona or any of those states where they're being inundated and 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 the tremendous cost uh, to sh- give shelter to these people to feed them to educate their kids the incredible cost uh, to uh, those states and to the cities and counties and towns so i don't blame them and i'll tell you i think DeSantis did a great thing you're you're a wonderful state massachusetts we were we're we're an open uh, uh, to everyone, well, good. So he sent some up there. You you can't allow just those areas that are being inundated to continue this. And by the way, they've been smuggling, they being the federal government, thousands of illegals by flying them in at night, as has been reported, 
uh, by the uh, uh, official up in um, uh, Westchester, the former the former uh, um, county executive, who said, "Look." They're flying these people in. Rob Estorino. Right. And Miranda Devine has been covering that in the Post. She's been watching those planes being unloaded. It's funny. Everybody, Senator, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. It's it's just amazing. No one paid attention to the fact that the Biden administration is flying these people in the middle of the night into Westchester, dropping them off in Long Island. But now all of a sudden they're hitting Martha's Vineyard. People are outraged. What do you say about that? Well, I, I think they deserve it. They ought to send in more. I, I want to say to DeSantis, keep it up. I want to say to the governor of Texas, keep it up. They're uh, panicking. And- uh, Martha's Vineyard is panicking. Uh, they're starting to panic in New York City. Uh, Washington, D.C. is starting to panic. I mean, all of a sudden, it's okay for all the illegals to come uh, across the border but when it's in their, in their backyard, the panic starts to set up. Isn't that the typical liberal, not in my backyard? Well, look, I don't care about the word liberal or conservative. I really don't care. It's about common sense, and there is no common sense anymore. Well, can I just well, say look. one thing about this? President Biden himself said that the drug crisis is an unusual and extraordinary threat to the U.S. national security back in December. So the question to the president and to our border czar that's not going to the border and doing anything why the hell is the border then wide open? All these gotaways, they're in our country. The next terrorism act is probably being plotted right now in America because they are over. The, they came over the border already. Derek Maltz and Senator D'Amato, they redefined what it means to be secure, just like they redefined what a woman is. Well, let me say <laughs> that this is a national disgrace. This I know national- Alphonse D'Amato. He knows what a woman is. <laughs> <laughs> let the record be clear. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, he likes those Italian women, especially. True. Let's protect (laughs) our our families, our women, um, our children, because we are under attack and we should be able to shut this down within a matter of hours by putting our army on the border, shutting it down and, and return to the policy that we once had that you stay in Mexico uh, until we've cleared you, okay? Not that we're just going to take anybody who comes, do a superficial exam, uh, uh, give them a pass, uh, and they go anywhere they want, and 90% of them never come back let to me, the court hearing. Senator D'Amato, let, let me put, put, put on your hat. Uh, yeah. Should should the Secretary of Homeland Security be impeached for allowing those people uh, bringing drugs across the, the border? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, the Attorney General of the United States uh, should be the first one, uh, because if he is the man who's calling the shots as it relates to the enforcement of the law, uh, which we turn to him in so many cases, and he allows this to go on and says nothing, and does nothing about it. The only thing he's good for is, is bringing investigations against Trump. And 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 let me tell you, there's more to running this government than attacking the former president. Why don't you save and help the people of the United States? I mean, they're a bunch of jackasses. Biden, you are a total incompetent, and incompetent by allowing uh, the the destruction 
of our country and so many of the communities who are being overwhelmed. It's not right. Well, none of us, none of us are arguing about you. And uh, Governor David Patterson was so, uh, uh, you know, upset. He left. He ran out. (laughs) He ran out. He He ran out screaming. He had a gig. He went to sing. Um, let me t- let me tell you this. David Patterson agrees with us. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. There is no doubt. He is a man of integrity, um, and I won't go into how he got uh, snookered out of his job by the former governor, who's uh, who's uh, Patterson. They accused him something about getting Yankee tickets, but he can't even see the game. He should have at least gotten a discount. He didn't even see the he game. He should have gotten a Poor discount. Guy. That, and, uh, that, that's terrible. That's terrible. And, and it, let, let me say this to you. We are a nation of immigrants. We should have immigrants coming in. Yes. Uh, a, a million, a million and a half. But they should be screened. They, they should not be uh, uh, just pushed in, let go, et cetera. Uh, and, and we have all criminal- agree. Don't argue with the people that agree with you. We agree with you 110 percent. Yes, Im- well, yes to immigration, but we have to know who's coming and some going. Some kind of checks and balances. Thank you so much, Derek Maltz, a former special DEA agent. And thank you. And keep us posted on the event Saturday. It sounds like an amazing event. And thank you, thank Senator you. Alphonse D'Amato, and I hope to see you soon. Look thank you very much. John. Thank keep you, guys. Good job. Thank right. you. God bless. And uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with the uh, district attorney of Queens County, Melinda Katz. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. In the studio tonight, we have Ed Cox, Judge Weinberg, John Katz Matidis. And on the line right now, we have Melinda Katz. She is the Queens district attorney. And we want to talk about the violence that seems to be plaguing our streets, specifically when it comes to people that are mentally ill. D.A. Katz, what can we do about this? Because, I mean, we're hearing this story about a 71-year-old woman at, what was it, 78th and 3rd? 78th and 3rd. She's a cancer survivor on her way home from treatment, and she gets punched in the face, and a 1-year-old kid gets hit in the head. And, I mean, we just can't take it anymore. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Katz, and everybody there. Uh, Good friends. Um, You know, look, that is right. You see mental health illness growing in the streets, uh, and we do have to do something about it. You know, in Queens... Uh, You can make only so many arrests. You know, incarceration is not the only solution to this, right? We need to have programs. We need to have mental health services. We need to have all of that. And we need to start it at a very young age. You know, I always talk about the fact that you can't unfire a gun once it's shot. And you can't unfire mental health either. It has to start in elementary school and junior high school. But, yeah, people are afraid. People understand that, you know, accountability is something we need to increase uh, in our court system and in law enforcement. And I do think that mental health is really one of the biggest issues that this city is facing right now. Melinda, it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. How are you, Judge? I'm fine. I'll tell you what I found when I was running special narcotics courts in the city. The uh, combination of mental illness and drug addiction and not a place to put these people to help them. What do you say about that? What can we do about that? No, I think that's right, by the way. Yeah, you know, one thing leads to another, and you need to have a place to, to help them. But they also need to have the help, right? There has to be a global disposition of these cases. They have to be diverted, some of them, um, especially the ones that are not so violent yet, and we can get in there early to help. 
uh, and there has to be diversion courts. You know, we have a huge amount of diversion here in Queens County, and we have to have accountability, Judge, and that's really the biggest issue. And accountability could either be jail time for those that are deserving of it, but it also could be mental health services yes. and workforce development, and it also could be mental health, uh, you know, drug rehabilitation services. And there is a danger on the street right now. I heard one of your previous talk speakers talking about fentanyl. Fentanyl is increasingly the reason for suicides or for drug overdoses here in Queens County. It's a very dangerous drug. It is a lethal drug. And most of the time, as one of your talkers was saying, people don't even know that they're using it. That's, this is Ed Cox. That's very interesting. If it's such a deadly drug, why is it a business? I mean, cocaine, you can understand the, the drugs people making money off that. But, but, but if it's not deadly, you're killing your customers. You're killing your customers. You're killing, yeah. Right. It's much more addictive, though, and it gives you a different high. Uh, and so if you go back to one dealer over and over again because you're getting that high uh, and, and you're not realizing that it's because of the fentanyl they're dealing, um, and then you can have an overdose very easily. Uh, it is, like I said, the growing uh, percentage of the overdoses that we I, have. But I don't understand – but we're talking about Melinda. I don't understand the business model. If you're killing your customers, a good percentage well, are being killed. How do, what's, what's the motivation for this? Is there something your, your more cost to this? Of, your cost it's of goods sold addictive. is much cheaper. Right. It's much more addictive. It's cheaper. And it, there's also an endless supply of it. Remember, unlike other types of drugs where you need sort of natural resources, when you're talking about growing it, when you're talking about making it, fentanyl is something that you can just produce. So it's less expensive on the street. It's more uh, addictive. Uh, and you keep going back to those same dealers because of that. Uh, and it's something that the city really needs to deal with, and we deal with it every single day. And by the way, it could be pressed into pills, so people think they're taking opiates yeah, on the are. street. Yeah, and Melinda, and I don't know if you heard the statistic, but you should know this. I said it to the DEA agent before. 50,000 people died in Vietnam. 50,000 of our soldiers died in Korea. 7,000 in Afghanistan. It's 107,000 in those three wars. 140,000 Americans yep. have died in the last 12 months. If you don't call that a war... And I'm saying to everybody, why the, the Secretary of Homeland Security is responsible for the border... Why doesn't he do something about it? Well, I think we need to all do something about it, especially the drug, re, you know, drug addiction that is going on. But fentanyl is, is, is its own beast in and of itself. Uh, and I think that it's causing major problems and people don't know they're taking it. That is the worst thing about it, right? You take other drugs like heroin, cocaine, you usually know what you're getting. Uh, it may be a terrible thing to do, but you know what you're getting. You don't know that the fentanyl is in this drug. And, and DA Cass, I just also want i want you to let people know that a lot of time arrests can be good. And maybe we don't need to call them arrests anymore. Maybe we call them interventions because I feel like people can get help if they finally get into the system. Well, a lot of people do that. They, if they get arrested, they get caught up in the system. We determine that there is a drug addiction. And we do end up um, having several dispositions or a lot of dispositions that go into drug treatment. And I think that's extremely important, and it helps in the long run. DA Katz, we're out of time, but thank you for everything you do to help people and to help our city. God bless you, and God bless New York. Thank you. Ed Cox, thank you for being here, and and Judge Weinberg, and Lydia Serrani. And what do we stand for on this show? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. God bless New York. God bless America. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 